as we enter into a new era of leadership, empowerment, and influence. In this season two of Transcend with M, we want to highlight the power that lies underneath us, underneath you. On this new season, we will showcase true stories about women who one way or another are exercising influence by tapping on their strength and their own story. I hope, just like me, that you let all these women and their stories empower you today and shape your tomorrow just like they have helped me. So welcome to season two of Transcend with M. Know her story. Hello everyone, welcome to Transcend with M. And on this week's episode, we have Rosa Gonzalez. Rosa leads a research team within an internal management consulting department, providing research insights and data analysis to support strategic decisions for leaders across a large financial services company. Over the course of her 20-plus years career, Rosa's responsibilities also encompass records management, knowledge management, and business resiliency planning. Before switching over to the financial service industry, Rosa worked in the publishing industry for several years, producing computing and business reference titles for an educational publisher. Prior to her publishing career, Rosa worked on the nonprofit sector at organizations supporting the local Latinx community and the global community of female micro-entrepreneurs. Rosa has a master's in library and information science from Simmons University and also completed two undergraduate degrees, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in, uh, at Pratt Institute with a concentration in communications design and as well as a Bachelor of Arts from Harvard University in Romance Languages and Literature. Rosa also is a mother to a 17-year-old son, a partner to Guillermo Nunez, and they have been married for 18 years. Welcome, Rosa, to Transcend with M. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time on this beautiful, sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> and I am just excited to talk about your story uh, and excited to learn more about you, um, excited for our listeners to hear uh, where you come from, where you've been, where you're going. So hit us, tell us, who's Rosa? All right. What is your, your, your background, your story? All right. Let me get into my story. Um, so it begins in Puerto Rico. That's where I was born um, many, many years ago. <laughs> um, I'm the oldest. I have two younger brothers and my, uh, my parents are both Puerto Rican, although my mom is from New York City. My dad's from the island. And uh, that's, that's where my story begins. So my father um, went to University of Puerto Rico uh, medical school. And as soon as he graduated, he was drafted and sent to Vietnam. So I was born shortly before he graduated. So right about the time he shipped out, my mom and I moved to New York to live with her family. So yeah. I started moving around early on, which actually I'm not a fan of change and I'm not so uh, adaptable, or at least I wasn't then. So that was yeah. pretty, uh, pretty um, tough start for me. 
Um, And then as my father was continuing in the military for a few more years, my brothers were both born in different places. We were moving around um, as I was growing up. And so it was a lot of adapting and uprooting. And so eventually he was done with his army um, time and was able to move back to Puerto Rico. And so I got to kind of settle in there for a while, lived there till I was about nine. Um, and then moved to Boston, uh, which is the area I live in now. And that became my new home because I was able to stay, kind of put down roots um, and, and find my place. Um, the other place that was a real home for me was always school. I love school. I um, flourished there. It was, it was my happy place. It still is my happy place. I love to learn. Um, it was something that came very naturally to me. Yeah. So um, it was it was interesting how much it appealed to me and how much I was rewarded there. But mm-hmm. the contrast was at home. I was not really recognized for what I could do at school and what my abilities were. There was this tension where what I was doing was viewed as over it wasn't explicitly stated that it was overshadowing my brothers but ultimately my abilities were kind of um glossed over i guess i would call it yeah because um emphasizing them or paying a lot of attention to them was um going to at least it was perceived that it was going to damage my brothers um who were younger than me who were looking up to me and who um, would feel inadequate or not as capable because of what was natural for me. It was not natural for them. They've done well. They've had great careers, great educational careers, but um, there's definitely a distinction between what I was naturally suited to doing and what they were naturally suited to doing. So that that kind of um, set a tone for me where school was always and any place of learning was a really um, natural and supportive environment for me. And I was rewarded there, but in my home life, that was never emphasized or um, rewarded or recognized in the same way that it was externally. So it was an interesting dichotomy that wherever I was outside of the family and outside of the home, was yeah. where I would get the most support and the most recognition um, for what was not something that I was seeking out, but just mm-hmm. something that was natural for me to um, gravitate toward and enjoy. I love learning languages. I love learning about cultures. I read a lot all the time, ever mm-hmm. since I learned how to read. Um, I'm very humanities and arts oriented. So my identity originally was as an artist. So that was the other thing I did a lot. I read a lot and I drew a lot. Um, and it's surprising that I've ended up in a financial environment in my right. career because it, it was not where I started out. It was not where I saw myself, um, mm-hmm. but it, it turned out to be a place where that continuous learning, that curiosity that I have naturally and the, um, the interest in exploring new things developing new ideas was Mm -hmm. all rewarded um, 
viewed as valuable and mm -hmm. continue to develop over many years at this point. That's so interesting because you are such a successful individual in the financial realm that you will never think that you had all this artistic background behind you. <laughs> So I remember when we talked the first time and you mentioned that, I was like, I wouldn't picture that at all. Um, so it was, it's, it's very interesting. But going back a little, you know, relationship with your father, brothers, that's a very interesting, um, you know, period, because as a woman, right, we are on a woman empowerment podcast, as a woman, as a girl growing up, right, because we are women now, but we were girls then, mm -hmm. um, as a girl then, how did that shape or affect or, you know, help you um, grow? What what did that mean to you that you couldn't really be yourself around your own family, around the male in your household? Yeah, so there, there, I guess there's two ways I would think about the effect on me, and I think they've lasted my whole life. One is that I, I went inward. So at home, I would spend time on my own, and I as I said, read a lot, thought mm -hmm. a lot, kind of invented things on my own. Yeah. Um, and so a bit of independence, a bit of kind of comfort with solitude, with thinking my own thoughts, not mm -hmm. looking outside for validation, not looking outside for um, cues as to what I should think or what I should yeah. um, focus on was probably native to me like I think I was born with that but it was developed yeah. significantly from that type of childhood yeah. so we we an example is we would be sent and maybe this is something the audience can relate to because um, folks who move away from Puerto Rico are often sent back over the summer the kids are sent back to spend time with family um, mm -hmm. over the summer before uh, between school years and when we did that that was another world where the emphasis was the boys. Um, I have a lot of male cousins. So the boys all banded together and did sports together. And so my uncle happened to be a big reader like me and he had a library in his house. So I would spend my time looking at his books and kind of drawing or reading and doing my own thing. And they all went off to do their, you know, sports and, and, um, kind of boy gang types of things. <laughs> so um, I, I was very accustomed to that. And unfortunately, it also meant that me and, and my relationship to Puerto Rico as an island, as an environment and as a culture, it's a bit of a ambivalent one because mm -hmm. I love my identity, my culture, many of the things and the warmth of our people and and I have a strong bond with folks that I meet from there but at the same time it's not a place that I want to go it's mm -hmm. not um, a place my son has never been there he doesn't know anything about that um, mm -hmm. environment on the island and I still find that the machista culture is alive and well mm -hmm. and so that is something you know I have I have difficulties with that so yeah. it's it's this ambivalence around where I come from 
that I'm proud of it and I feel a, a connection to it, but there's this other piece. Um, and then I think the other part of it is that growing up, I felt a strong, so I have no sisters. And so yeah. as I made female friends, as I married a, a man who has many sisters <laughs> and they are, they are close with each other and they have embraced me as part of the family. Um, so I've, I've always felt a need to stand up for women, support other women, um, find that connection that we have, um, because of what we face right. most of us to this day, um, and what we're capable of, because I have, um, some strong, strong role models that are women in my family that I've always looked up to my grandmother, uh, my great grandmother was, um, gone by the time I was born, but I was named after her and the, mm -hmm. the myths about her, uh, make it sound like she was a very strong-willed independent woman. And so I, I feel like there's a legacy of that in my family that I'm, I'm trying to live up to, but I'm also trying to help others live up to that. So I'm excited to be part of your project because I think it's so worthy and I believe in your mission. And I agree that women don't often get that recognition and validation and support that they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, and the more we can help each other see yeah. what we've accomplished, what we're capable of, and what um, what we what we mean to the world and and yeah. everyone around us, I think it's it's all it, we couldn't possibly do it enough, mm -hmm. considering how much it's needed. Is how right. I view it. Right. I think it is. Um, I don't even know what word to use, um, but it is it is sad that up until this date. Um, you know, cultures like ours, like, you know, the Puerto Rican culture is still a very, like you mentioned, machista, mm -hmm. where if for those that don't know what that means is that, you know, uh, basically men um, push women down so, so, so much that they forget their own identity. And we're so smart. I think, you know, the, the new generation coming up, it has a little bit of a different view uh, just because they have seen what grandma or what auntie or what mom went through, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, uh, there's still a lot of that and not just our culture, many, many other cultures too. Um, you know, it's easier to talk about our own because mm -hmm. we see it firsthand. Um, but I think, you know, one of the biggest um, issues with that is the intellectual part of it, where we want to, you know, we want to evolve, we want to go to school, we want to be more, we want to do more. Um, we know we can do it, but we are told that no, you need to stay home, take care of the kids, cook, take care of your husband or take care of your family right. before you can even think about yourself. So let's exactly. talk a little bit about that, because I know on your end, school was a big thing at your household. You needed to go to school. Mm -hmm. So let's tell our listeners education in your home, even though you had these, you know, relationship, this, this issues going on school was is still a good 
a good thing. And your your parents were a big proponent of you got to go yes. to school. So that was a positive. That's mm-hmm. a big positive. So tell us how you got to Harvard. Tell us, <laughs> tell us the story. <laughs> Certainly. Um, so yeah, the, <laughs> there's some some funny parts to the story, which I, I may, I'm not sure that I mentioned them to you at the very beginning. So I'll I'll mention them now, but um, so as you said, rightly, my parents highly valued education. Mm-hmm. I should mention my mom has a high school education. She didn't, she finished high school and graduated and got her diploma in New York, but she did not, she was not encouraged to go beyond high school. She yeah. was supposed to work and she did yeah. that. And then as soon as she was, so she put, actually, I should mention this. She put my father through medical school. Mm-hmm. So she worked. I think she said she sold her insurance policy um, so that it would fund his education. And as soon as I was born, she stopped working outside the home and, mm. you know, focused all her work on inside the home, but she worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, she works to this day. She's in her eighties, but she is still working hard. Um, so that educational career wasn't necessarily, there was no path that had been blazed ahead of me mm-hmm. for women to in my family to get an education before my parents, my grandparents, I don't think any of them graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have made it to the beginning of high school, but some uh, of my grandparents, I think only made it through middle school. Yeah. So that was not something that we had generations of Right. Um, folks with an education before my my father, uh, or sorry, I should say with a with a, a high school diploma or a post secondary education in my family. But um, me and my brothers, we've all gone through college and graduate school. But my path to that was a bit unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, my identity was always as an artist. So mm-hmm. I was drawing all through school. I took uh, advanced. Um, art classes in high school, but at the same time, I was doing very well, as I mentioned, in school. And when it came time to talk with my guidance counselor about what my choices were, Mm -hmm. she basically said, pick a school, you can go to any school you want. So at that time, I was still thinking of schools with excellent art programs. And she was guiding me toward the Ivy League schools, which weren't really on my mind. Um, But I was diligent. So I applied to many schools, many of the Ivies, and then um, had to start interviewing. And so Harvard was, um, I, oh, I should mention, I also went away during my um, second half of my senior year, I went and spent a month in France, Mm -hmm. um, which was a program that my high school had. And I loved it. I loved learning French. I continued and that was my major in college. But um, I was gone when I was supposed to be interviewing. So when I came back, there were all these messages that I needed to um, make uh, make arrangements to have this interview at Harvard. I really didn't think that was necessary since I didn't think I would be going to school there, but I ended up having an alumni interview. Um, the, the interviewer asked me if it was my first choice and I said no, which was the truth. Um, I, I put it as third because yeah. I was looking at programs that had more of an art emphasis. And he said, well, there is an art major at Harvard, which there is, and I believe that's still true now. Um, 
and we talked about that and why and, and what I was thinking about, what I was focused on. So I came home after my interview and I told my parents that we'd had this conversation and my dad said, you're never going to get in there. I was like, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, didn't concern me. I wasn't expecting to. That wasn't, that wasn't part of my plan. Um, and lo and behold, when the you know, acceptance information came back and I was accepted, I was very surprised and I still didn't really take it seriously as a place I might consider attending. Um, I went to an orientation or I, I think at that point, all the schools have opportunities for you to go and visit and, and learn more yeah. about it. It's close to where I live. So it was an easy place to go visit. And when they started talking about the kind of education, the kind of extracurriculars, the kind of experiences that students had there, it it was me. Everything they described was what I care about and what made sense to me in terms of the balance of, of the kind of life that I wanted to live, the kind of education I wanted to pursue. So we came out of that conversation. In fact, that, that one was when I attended with my father and he said, I think you need to go there. And I said, I think so too. Now he's much more status oriented than I am. So yeah, many people would say you should go to Harvard if you're accepted. That yeah. wasn't where I was coming from, but it it was such a natural fit that yeah. it was it really was the right choice. And as soon as I got there, I felt like I was home. That's so amazing. It was, and I didn't mention another thing. And again, kind of going back to acknowledging and, and recognizing what we're capable of. I um I was accelerated when I was in elementary school in yeah. Puerto Rico. So by the time I finished. Well, by the time I moved to the Boston area where I ended up, I was ahead of my classmates. So I was already doing um, fifth grade work by the time I got to sixth grade. Sorry, by the time I got to fourth grade. Yeah. So when I came to my new school and was supposed to begin fourth grade and they started giving me classes, mm -hmm. they realized I already knew all the work. Yeah. And so they told my mom, I think we're going to have to skip her to sixth grade because she she's already done everything that she would be doing um and so we don't you, want her to get bored you entered harvard at age 16 right correct i was 16 yeah. when i started at harvard that's so that was another incredible. so i forgot to mention one other piece to it so because i was so focused on art and i was intending to go to a school with an art program this was a dilemma because yeah. now there was this opportunity to go to a place that really appealed to me, but would not allow, or I didn't think it would allow me to continue to develop um, in the arts that that I had prioritized. Mm -hmm. So I had a conversation with my father because he would be covering the cost of school. And as I said, they are, they are very serious about supporting school and anything educational. So that was never a question. And the more I could do, the more they recognize that I should do. Mm -hmm. um, so when I had a discussion with my father about it, he said, well, I think you should go to Harvard because it's, it's not an opportunity to pass up. Mm -hmm. He said, but if you still wanna to go to art school afterward, we'll, we'll make that happen. Mm -hmm. So that was my commitment. I was going to do my um, undergrad at Harvard first, graduate, and then continue with what ended up being another undergraduate degree at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. <laughs> I was committed. I had a wonderful experience at Harvard. I made lifelong friends there. I am 
so grateful for all of the things I got to experience. I'm an active participant in alumni activities and, yeah. and associations and things. Um, and I really believe in it as a, as a great place to develop and learn and yeah. be part of a community that lasts your whole life. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I learned so much at Pratt. That was one of the hardest things I ever did. Yeah. Um, I was challenged and kind of um, experienced the world in ways that I had never been exposed to before. Um, Brooklyn, New York was not the Brooklyn that you hear about now that's hipster and you know, yeah. kind of craft beers and, and <laughs> you know, funky cafes. It was a very different place back yeah. in, in the time that I went to school there. It was also a, a strong community environment. So I, I, again, made lifelong friends there as well. Um, but it was a very demanding program. It was a very demanding environment. It was aggressive. Um, and I'd spent all my life traveling to New York to visit my mom's family, but living in it this way was a very different, it was different. a big shock, a big dose of reality and nothing like what I had experienced in New York in the past because I'd always been with family. Yeah. Um, so I learned so much. Um, Pratt's program is multidisciplinary. So you have a, a first year where you explore different types of art and design, and then you choose your major. My major was communications design, which turns out it's very business oriented, mm -hmm. which hadn't been at all um, part of my schooling up to that point. Yeah. So that's where I learned about the concept of a market. That's where I learned about kind of differentiating what you offer to the market and understanding what your, um, what your value proposition is, what you can offer that no one else can. Um, and I never encountered anything like that, mm -hmm. never in my life. Um, so it was a shock to understand yeah. that, yes, there's a creative side and there's a business side. And if you mm -hmm. are going to become um, a freelance artist, you must do both. Yeah. Um, so that was such a shock that when I, I did graduate from there, I thought having an undergraduate degree already would shorten my time, but it really only shortened it by about a semester. Yeah. So I spent three and a half years there. Um, and it changed my life in many, many different ways. I would say both schools changed my life, but the biggest departure and the most kind of radical um, experience was was going to Pratt and, and recognizing what, what that kind of environment represents because yeah. I was blown away by how talented my classmates were Mm -hmm. how dedicated they were to whatever they'd chosen to focus on. Um, I, they were inspiring, um, mm -hmm. really hardworking people, um, really great problem solvers, you know, kind of out of the box thinking, all of that. Um, so I was, I can now look back and appreciate all that I experienced there. At the time, I was kind of traumatized, I think is the way to put it. <laughs> so when I finished, I needed to come back home yeah. and recover and reconsider what I thought my future would hold because I was convinced that I was going down this art path. And then all of this exposure to the business side and the competition and the aggressiveness of selling yourself and kind of going out and attempting to conquer that world, it, it it really kind of knocked me over. Like I, I just 
didn't know how to process any of that. So um, I started taking shorter term jobs because I decided to explore other things because I just couldn't see myself taking that step. And actually part of my parents' intent in me going to Harvard first was to get a chance to grow up a little bit more yeah. before I was thrust into an environment that was so demanding. And they were right about that. So mm -hmm. I was 20 by the time I entered Pratt and it was still a big shock. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I'd been younger and, and less exposed to the world at that yeah, point. Yeah, imagine going at 16 years old there. Right. Like you would, like, I, I think it would have been a total different experience, right? I so, think you're right. Um, that's, that's incredible. So art background, two undergraduate degrees, two amazing universities, you know, smart cookie by age 22, you were like set and done with all school, whatnot. <laughs> How did that all play out into landing where you are today, which is, you know, research, financial services. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me about that because it's, yeah. it's, I just can't find the link. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a good point. And it's as I think about my my you know kind of evolution through life yeah. and the the directions that I've taken. Um, in fact, I, I had a question I think last year from a community that I'm part of around like, have I pivoted in life? Uh, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> yeah, every so. day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, as I said, I was kind of recovering from that period in yeah. New York. And so came back to the Boston area, um, started working at nonprofits because it also turned out that when you, when you have a bachelor's degree, but haven't really specialized in anything and don't have a lot of work experience, you kind of have to start with entry level. Yeah. So I did that. Um, I worked at, uh, actually I think each time I was trying to support a community I believe in. So one of my first jobs was at a, a, a nonprofit that supports the Latinx community in the Boston area. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a great boss. She was really supportive. Sadly, the, the person that founded the organization was um, corrupt. And so mm -hmm. she figured out a way to prove that. Um, but as soon as I kind of had that awareness that this was an environment that was being led by someone with no integrity, I couldn't stay there. And she agreed with me. So she helped me get my next job. Yeah. Um, so then I worked at a, another nonprofit. This one was supporting um, women micro entrepreneurs across the globe. Nice. So there were women in Africa, there were women in the Middle East, but again, um, women living in very machista cultures that yeah. were, um, you know, trying to manage subsistence living and, and build something for their families. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned a lot there and the folks I worked with had been all over the world um, and, and many kind of exotic places that I have never met anyone who's visited them since. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a real growth experience to, to meet these folks and, and learn about the kind of work that they did, the kind of lives that these women led and 
um, support some of that. So that that was a, a very interesting role that I had for a while. And then a friend of mine, a Harvard friend, had gone to work in a publishing company. And I thought maybe I should try that because I love books so much, because I love art. It felt like a place where the two intersected. So up until that point, it, it had kind of been what can I find in the in the old days of finding roles where there was no internet and there was no right, um, you know, all of the LinkedIn that we have now and all these tools that we're accustomed to. So none of that existed, and I was kind of finding my way as best I could, and had no real plan. Um, but this time I said, well, let me try this other way. Um, and he put me in touch with someone at his company. We had an informational interview. I learned quite a bit about what their um, department did, which was the production of the books. Um, and a year later, he called me with an opportunity on his team and I interviewed and I got that job. So I did that for a few years. Um, so I learned how books are made. I worked with authors, I worked with editors, I worked with the folks that actually build the books and, and create the marketing um, and, yeah. and got books published. That was the early days of Java. So I got to work with, um, these were computer reference books. So I got to work with some of the authors that wrote the Java programming language, which that's old language now, but it was a big deal at the time. And yeah. it was actually the early days of the web. So I got to see some of that kind mm -hmm. of when it was becoming a part of business. Um, so after a few years there, the company was bought and I started to think about what that was going to mean for me. Mm -hmm. And our department started changing. We had a really close knit, really awesome um, tight group of three women that were working together. Yeah. Um, and we were an awesome team, but the team started to come apart because one person left and then they put new managers over us um, in between the manager that we used to work for. And that was based on this acquisition. Um, and I started learning a little bit about industry consolidation and the fact that publishing was going through upheaval and yeah. we were kind of on the front lines of that. So I decided to explore and I quit the job didn't have another job lined up, mm. um, but decided to be a temp, which I had done in the past, yeah. um, and see what was out there and get to know a company before I made a decision about whether I wanted to commit there. So yeah. that, that was my strategy to be inside the company for a while, see how it operates, and then decide if I wanted to work there. Mm. So I, I took a temp role. They sent me to their biggest client, and it was a financial company knew nothing about what they did, never heard of the company before, knew nothing about the industry and just kind of winged it. I had been asked to kind of learn different software where I was getting ready um, to start some of the temp work. So I had learned how to use PowerPoint and that's what I did. And after a month, they kept extending the contract, extending it and then ultimately they offered me a position and at the time again i hadn't come up with a better plan but i did like where i was working yeah. i liked the integrity of the people i was working with i liked the opportunities for learning i liked the um really um smart capable and kind of collaborative yeah. environment that i found there and so i went from being a temp to being permanent and then learning about the industry as I worked there. Um, after about 
I guess it was about eight years. Mm -hmm. I started assuming management responsibility. Um, I was also going to school and I was, um, that, that was primarily paid for by the company. So I um, pursued a master's in library science. So yeah, another flavor of education. Yeah. Um, and, and I was going to school part-time while I was working full-time and I had a three-year-old son. So I was kind of juggling madly, but again, going back to school, I loved school. As, yeah. as demanding as it was to have all these things happening simultaneously, it was yeah. just such a fun experience to be around different people that were many of them already well-established in careers and wanted to kind of add on the, the yeah. education that they were missing. Um, so I learned about lots of different types of work that other folks did, lots of library um, environments. And I think a lot of my classmates thought as soon as I finished the program, I would leave, leave my role, but it actually just made everything better. So yeah. I, I just kept adding more responsibility, um, taking on more leadership and learning, you know, every year, new mm -hmm. things and new responsibilities. So it's, it's been a process of learning all the way through, but it, it, was a good place to be and it continues to be a good environment for me to be in the financial world and I think I you know. probably know that too. It is amazing. I, I love how you went from being attempt to being permanent for them committing to you by mm -hmm. paying your post second, you know, your your graduate education. Yep. And now, you know, you are VP of the company and mm -hmm. are doing amazing things. So through this entire journey, how has it feel to be able and have the tools to help other women and help yourself as well to, to grow and to kind of like, you know, handhold and be uh, an advocate for them and, and be a mentor for them. Because I know you are, you participate in a lot of different, you know, communities and a lot of different, um, you know, that's how I, I learned about you and how I, I reached out because it was through um, a conference uh, that I, I attended and you were one of the panelists and it was like, oh my God, she's so amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I will say it's, it's incredibly rewarding to yeah. um, feel like I can help someone achieve that potential that maybe they see, maybe they don't, mm -hmm. but um, support so much ability, um, vision, and talent. Yeah. that I've encountered over many years with, with many different um, communities that I've interacted with. So I'm, I'm eager to apply anything that I've learned, any help that I can give to, to um, help people push forward, recognize what they're capable of, surprise mm -hmm. themselves yeah. with things that maybe they didn't expect or discoveries of something that is appropriate for them that they would never have guessed or how much easier or faster or better something that they want to um, achieve can be based on co connecting to the right people. Because I think at this stage, I have 
um, many networks that I am part of. And mm -hmm. I like to, you know, foster people to, to become part of them or to learn from anyone that I can put them in touch with because I feel like that's um, an incredibly powerful mechanism for, for yeah. everyone to be better. I think every time that a connection takes place, both parties win and both parties are better off. So I, I find learning from people and actually this virtual life that we're living through the pandemic in a way makes connecting broader and easier because you mm -hmm. don't have to seek out a time that someone's going to be available between meetings. There's they're kind of home and they're kind of on their computer all the time anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the accessibility is surprisingly better. No travel um, time. Right, no travel. <laughs> so, you know, just you make the time zones work if they're in different time zones. Yeah. Um, and you find a, a spot that that isn't already occupied in their calendar and then and then you connect. And I just feel like people are more open to it now and people are seeking it out in a way because the isolation and the limitations that we're all living with yeah. make our make our daily lives a little bit more monotonous. And so that discovery of somebody new and a new connection and a new perspective just yeah. kind of improves everything, I think. It does. It does. When you look back at that girl, you know, you know, at that 12 year old girl, and you look at yourself now, what comes to mind? Did you ever imagine that you will be having so much of an impact like you do today? Um, and that you would be able to actually um, embrace what you like, the, the artistic side of you on what you do. Did you ever thought that was possible? No, everything about that. And I think that's probably something I like to share with folks who haven't gotten to that realization yet or gotten to that stage of their lives yet is yeah. there's more out there than you can possibly conceive of at this stage of your life or with the level of exposure that you've had at this stage. And um, don't limit yourself, yeah. but also don't doubt yourself. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I never, because I was so focused on that arts, you know, kind of path and environment, I, I wouldn't have imagined that an environment like a business environment, a financial environment would be somewhere where I would fit, would be yeah. somewhere where I would feel creatively fulfilled, surprisingly, yeah. or that I had something to contribute. But in the first few years where I was working in the financial world, it occurred to me that some of these things that I had been developing for years were mm -hmm. a real asset there, which yeah is partly because that wasn't cultivated in the same way for other people as it had been for me. Mm -hmm. So the ability to kind of consume a lot of information and then make some meaning out of it and communicate that really effectively in a concise way, in a um, accessible way. Like a lot of people are focused on other things. So that's not something they've developed. And that was very natural for me. So I use that every day. Yeah, I was using it yesterday when I was at work. And every time I do, I get, you know, some kind of recognition for it because it still stands out. Nice. Um, and also thinking about how to solve a problem and what what pieces go together to solve the problem that comes from the arts background. It's applied yeah. in a different setting using different techniques, but 
the, the conceptual process is the same. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I could never have envisioned it, but it's because of what I've lived through, I am trying to spread that word to others that yep. you shouldn't limit yourself. You should explore and, and think more broadly and, um, and don't be put off by something that hasn't been done yet because right. it doesn't mean that it can't be done. Right. It just means other people haven't found the way and maybe you're the one. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. What message of empowerment can you give, you know, little girls, girls in college, women, you know, grown up women <laughs> today um, that can help them, you know, get to that place, get to that place of uh, not comfort, but a place that they can feel comfortable mixing their passion with their career, with their life at home, so they can have that balance? So I think women are resourceful. I think we're strong and we don't re receive enough messages of validation around how much um, we display that, how much we're capable of. Um, so I think um, remembering that, like you're strong, believe in that, believe in yourself, believe in what you can contribute and also have faith in your own perspective because I think we get a lot of messages that, you know, either what we said doesn't have value even if somebody else says the same thing we said, but it's not a woman. Um, right. and, and suddenly that is worth listening to, but when a woman said it, maybe it doesn't get the same level of attention. So don't let that reception um, make you discount what you think or what you see. Mm -hmm. um, I had periods of time where I received validation from some external um, authority that I was seeing something nobody else saw um, and that I had to use my voice and speak up about it. And so I was, I was always a listener. I wasn't a big vocal person. I wasn't often the person raising my hand to answer the question or ask a question. Um, so I would encourage anyone younger or older who hasn't felt like they're ready to do that, to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and to stay, stay um, committed to what you're thinking and seeing and not let somebody else's needs, somebody else's um, opinion displace your faith and what you are focused on thinking about, want to um, pursue. Because I think if you see that connection for yourself, mm -hmm. then it has value and you need to honor that by taking it forward from there. Amazing. Well, Rosa, I thank you so much for being here today. I think your story is wonderful and amazing. And I cannot wait to see what you accomplish in the next 10 years. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> um, again, you know, I think um, stories like yours are so powerful, you know, especially when when 
when we experience things that hit home, right? Because they are, they're real, they're real. And I, I cannot thank you enough for, for sharing them here today for others to learn from um, and to learn your wonderful, you know, upcoming. Um, so do you have time for five quick questions? I do. And thanks again for giving me the opportunity, listening to my, my path and, uh, you know, be, becoming part of your community because I, I love what right. you're doing and I'm, I'm excited that it's hopefully going to flourish and keep moving forward. So I hope all so the power too. to you. <laughs> I hope so too. So what does transcending means to you? Transcending. I would say that means going beyond where, wherever you started, whatever you think your kind of current circumstances are, your limitations are, and going past that. So evolving or living like those limits don't exist mm -hmm. and seeing where that takes you. Amazing, amazing. I know you read a lot, um, but do you have few favorite books or do you have a favorite book that you have read lately? So there's a couple of books that I will recommend. And so I'm, I'm in that later in middle-aged period of my life. So thinking a lot about, you know, what's, what's in my past and what could still be ahead in my future. So there's a couple of women who are older than I am that I'm reading their books. Um, so they're kind of like guides to living and, and, yeah. and, um, aging well. So one is I Am Invincible by Norma Kamali, which she just published about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and another one I think is called Keep It Moving by Twyla Tharp. And she's a dancer and a choreographer. And I've always loved her work from, you know, my childhood on. Yeah. Um, and she talks about all of the things that she's learned and does and kind of recommends as ways to keep keep having a full life as you get older. Mm -hmm. So I would mention those two. Um, yeah, I, there's so many others that I can't yeah. think of them all right now, <laughs> but those struck me because of the stage I'm at in my life. And also yeah. what we're living through right now just yeah. makes you a bit more introspective and kind of thinking about the meaning of life and your purpose and things like that. Right, right. How about your favorite food? Ooh. You know, this is where I'll stay a bit true to my roots. I love rice and beans. I'm not great <laughs> at cooking it, but I love it. And anybody who cooks it well, I, I worship because it is so... I might need to bring you uh, some dinner sometime. <laughs> my, my, the, my work that I used to be in my job before the one now, um, I used to cook for everybody. I Ooh. will, I will show up with like a pot of rice and beans and <laughs> my, my friend Fernando will text me sometimes and be like, are you making rice and beans? <laughs> um, and it's so incredible because for, for us, it's such an easy 
every single day type of thing. But when we cook it for others, it's it's such an amazing plate, right? Mm. So you might need to send me your address so I can drop it in front of your door. Because uh, honestly, that's that's my daughter's and my husband like daily thing. I I usually so like good. grab a salad and they are like rice and beans, mom, rice and beans. <laughs> um, it's simple, but it's amazing. So, so it is a date. It is a date. I have to bring it to your to your home. <laughs> um all right uh what do you like listening to Ooh, that's a so I, i'm gonna give you a bunch of different things so i love music i've always loved music i think that's part of our culture too yeah music is like you know a, a huge part of what what makes life worth living i think yeah. um so i like a bunch of different artists but right now i like halsey i like pink i like mm -hmm. maluma um, I like Lindsay Sterling who does violin and she dances while she plays the violin. It's kind of crazy. I've seen her. Yeah. yeah she's, she's pretty, she's, she's pretty good too. Yeah. She's wild. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, so those are some, some of the folks that have been getting me through this time. And then I've, one of my all time favorites is Bjork because she's just so unique. She's her own person. Absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned Maluma. I will never picture you listening to Maluma. It's interesting. <laughs> oh, I like Maluma a lot, actually. <laughs> that's that's really like daunting to me. I'm like, really? That's 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 a side of Rosa I want to meet sometime. <laughs> well, that that I didn't talk about my dancing side, but that 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 high school college Pratt period was a and and early twenties after that was a heavy dancing and, and going to clubs. And that's how I met my husband. Yeah, so that's another <laughs> that's side amazing. of me we didn't get into. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, how about um, who, or if you have couple, your favorite woman influencer? Ooh, so if you're talking about like that social media kind of world, Instagram and that sort of thing, um, I've just recently started, you know, following people on Instagram in the last nine or 10 months. So yeah. I'm new to it. Um, I've discovered someone, she calls herself the Afro minimalist. And I'm aspiring to be someone who can live with less and not oh. accumulate so much stuff. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of hoarding genes in my family. So I've, I'm fighting a long <laughs> legacy of a, you know, building up stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. So I, I like following her. Um, yeah. There's a, a yoga, I guess she would be called a guru called Shiva Ray. Um, and I like, I follow her. Uh, and there's an author named Neil Gaiman, G-A-I-M-A-N. Um, and he writes a lot of fantasy and when he, when I was in art school, he was writing graphic novels. And I think that kind of made him, established him as a fantasy writer. And it was an inspiration for those of us in art school. So ever since then, in whatever platform he's on, I followed him. So he's on Instagram and, and his, I don't know if she's still his wife, but Amanda Palmer um, is, is his wife or was his wife, I'm not sure. Um, but she's she's a musician, actress, kind of out there. Um, yeah. So she, I followed the two of them. 
Um, what else? And then, you know, things like NPR, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, just to learn the news. Um, business of fashion, because I have this fashion kind of affinity. <laughs> so I learned about things that way too. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, Rosa, it's so interesting because, you know, women in business, everybody thinks we're so stiffed up, right? Mm -hmm. And that we we probably are, are very like um, business driven and we don't have this other side of us. And I think this you, you're a great example of like <laughs> what what if business woman, um, you know, why we're different and why uh, you should not judge a book by its cover. Right. Yes. <laughs> and after being in a business environment for yes. many, many years, I can, I'm not alone. There yeah. are many people in the communities that I've encountered that have all kinds of interests, all kinds of yes. hobbies, all kinds of um, other facets to them and so human. Yeah. So, um, caring, collaborative, um, and, and just really good people. So mm -hmm. I, I will advocate for that, that if folks are put off thinking yeah. that that environment is either too cold or too, um, intimidating. Yeah. I, I think that's starting to change a little bit as a result of the pandemic partly, but, um, that's just, that's, that's a, fallacy that I have come to see is is not a real true picture of who's in that world. Right. Black suits and ties and you know it doesn't mean that you can be fun or that you don't have that other other side of you. So thank you so much for just being an example and just sharing everything today. It's it's been a wonderful conversation. And I do hope that we can do it again. Um, I'm 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 hope, hope I'm planning a forum of women. So hopefully we all I can make it happen. I, I don't I'm starting, but I don't know when. <laughs> okay. Well I, I'm I'm but, in for whenever it happens. So you know and if if the first one doesn't work out that I can be there then a future one but yeah I, I hope to continue to be part of your community I love the the vision that you have and the mission that you're pursuing and, and all the projects that you're coming up with so happy to be part of whatever whatever you're interested in including me in so hey y'all thanks for listening I hope that you found this episode inspiring and that one way or another you were able to identify with today's story. Remember, like Catherine Stockett said, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. Start believing in yourself and empower those around you because you never know when suddenly someone can realize they have a choice in what they could believe and do in this world. If you don't follow us yet, please subscribe at the, our YouTube channel, which is under my name, Monica Duani. You can also follow us on Instagram at TranscendWithM. Or if you just want to chat with me one-on-one, -on -one, make sure to just connect on LinkedIn and send me a message. It's Monica Duani, and I'm always here for you. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>